five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Let's, let's see where we go. Okay, yesterday I talked about an article um, from a Barracuda report, and this is from Net Security helpnetsecurity.com. I don't know anything about that site. It's probably a blog post. But the reason that I the reason that I mentioned it was because it was from Barracuda, who is one of the number one uh, server security or protection companies in the world. And uh, my headline said 39% uh, bots or something. Well, I think I got it right when I explained it, but Dr. Augustine Fu, uh, who's been on my show and I highly respect because he points out the $100 billion a year fraud uh, in the digital ad business, so this is the reason I spend time on internet fraud, is that 39% of all internet traffic is from bad bots. It's really important to understand that. And so if you look at... but. 64%, so two-thirds of the internet traffic that you might see on your site is automated, not people, right? Two-thirds of that, and so about a third is human, a third is bad, more than a third, 40% is bad bots, and 25% is good bots, you know, scarfing your site so that you appear in search engines and stuff, okay? At least that's what they say. It's good. Good in what sense? That it gives Google all the ad power. But anyway, and so um, what this article doesn't talk about is the ad bots, though I'm sure they're put in there a bit. So I'll um, I'll tag Dr. Augustine and I will see if he has any thoughts on why they didn't mention ad bots in the article. And I'm sure he will and we'll share those with you. Um, or you can watch for his comments on the post. Uh, yesterday he commented on LinkedIn. He probably will do that again. One of the other things I thought was interesting that I didn't cover yesterday was that you think of the bad bots as coming from Russia or China or some nefarious, uh, you know, some nefarious black hat com- country. But no, two thirds of them come from North America. Twenty-two percent come from Europe. Not clear. If Russia is a part of that, it doesn't break those, the countries out. It just bra- breaks out the continents. But basically, two-thirds of them are from probably most of that's from the USA. So I thought that was kind of fun. And most of them come from uh, AWS, uh, which I think is Amazon Web Services, uh, or Microsoft Azure, which is the Microsoft Cloud, because you can set up a free account with either provider and use the account to set up the bad bots. You'd think they could do something about that, of course. Then they wouldn't sell all the advertising and security and all the rest of the stuff. So I wouldn't, I would never impugn their motives. But let's go on. This was an interesting article by Stephen Van Bellingham, and he uh, said there's three simple questions. You know, you can look at customer satisfaction scores, net promoter scores, but you can also look at You can just ask yourself three little questions to find out if your company is customer-centric. How do you know if you're really customer-centric? And the first one is, how do you react when your own interests and that of your customers oppose each other, right? 
Now, as a customer, I try to always align myself with the interests of the company. So when we had a, a, a brand new stove used for the first time, all of a sudden the, 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 the coating, the ceramic coating started exploding off into the room. Uh, and there were little kids and stuff. And it was razor sharp little shards of glass, kind of. And when I wrote to the VP of marketing at the company that produced it, and shared the pictures I had of these shards of glass laying all over the place on Mother's Day with 30 people at the house. Uh, I said, you know, this could probably cost you millions of dollars in public relations. Millions. Or a new stove. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, uh, gee whiz, I got a new stove. Not only did I get a replacement stove, I got the replacement stove and credit for the old stove. <laughs> Uh, you know, anyway, so this uh, and Stephen here says, well, an, an example would be an account that's dormant at a bank and that they charge a, a fee for every every month or every year or something. And it's been sitting idle for five years. I think I have a few of those accounts. Um, well, so one is just ignore it and keep collecting the fees. That sounds like most banks. The other is tell somebody that. You, you got this dopey account and you sure should really do something about it. Or the third one that he says is the most customer centric is to refund the money and tell them that, you know, you're sorry you collected it when there was no activity. Now, <laughs> that sounds a little like some kind of socialism or crazy stuff to me. But, you know, if that's what you, th and here's the problem with this. The problem is, you don't know why I have that dormant account. I really actually have, you know, like I have a PayPal account that has almost no activity. But I p purposely use that for certain transactions, like once in a blue moon, because it's harder to suck all the funds out of an account that doesn't have any funds. Right. You know, I have a, I have a debit card that just sits off to the side and it's called my happy card. And uh, it's not connected to any of my other accounts. So it's hard to hard to hard to be malicious with it the best you get is a couple hundred bucks okay so anyway um he thinks that you should pay them back for that uh do you choose the customer's own side or your own you know but as a as a ceo or a cfo you have other constituents to think about you have a uh you have your employees if you know there was this famous uh company in seattle that that said we're going to pay everybody the same the same salary and uh because we're all valuable and everybody left <laughs> all the good people left <laughs> and rightly so you know or you could have your investors and you could say well we're going to just do we're going to we're going to just have the investors interest or we're not going to care at all about the investors and we're just going to care about the customers and that'll take care of the investors uh, and then they vote you out uh, so you have to balance all of these things. And um, here's an interesting article called The Customer Isn't Always Right. And in here, it's basically an article on pricing theory and how some people can charge ten dollars or $20,000 for a, a report and other people give it away for free. I give a lot away for free. Uh, thank you very much. I probably should reread this, but the customer isn't always right. Uh, we had an imprinted merchandise company, you know, where you'd sell a pen and you'd, what is the deal here? Why is this stuck to the bottom of the thing? Anyway, we had a pen company and you'd put your company name on it 
and we'd get people. We had an unconditional money back guarantee, and um, it and sometimes people would spell their own company name wrong or get the logo wrong, and then they would want their money back. And and the customer service people came to me and they said, you know, we shouldn't have this. We shouldn't have this money back guarantee unconditional. We should at least say that the the imprint is your own responsibility if you sign off on it. And uh, so the customer is the customer. Yeah, but and I had a friend who used to take advantage of Land's End's unconditional guarantee. He'd buy a shirt, wear it for a couple of years, wear it out, gets frayed, send it back, say he needs another one, and they would do it. But, you know, if you allow customers to take advantage of your company at that level, then you're actually hurting the good customers. You're charging them a little extra to cover those costs of of the evil customers, and that's not in the customer's interest. My point today, it's complicated, right? It's complicated. The customer is right, but who's the customer? Is it the shareholders? They're buying into your company. Is it the employees? They're committed to your company. The customers might be the third in that tier, right? And in the customer file, there's 1% that does about 20% of your sales. There's 20% that does 80% of your sales. And then there's 80% that does that, that does 100% of your customer service headaches, almost. I've always been an advocate for putting a little flag or a customer score or a red star next to the best customers so that customer service knows this is a customer that actually pays money to work with us and is loyal over the years. Give that customer score to customer service so that we'll do extra special nice to that customer. And a customer that's only ordered once and returned it, or or, or worse yet, we used to not mail these. We found that there were customers that would repeatedly order and return and order and return and were continually bad. And our system actually not only subtracts order processing cost, but charges an additional order processing cost for returns. So in an apparel company, that was a very handy way to calculate the customer long-term profit because we would... So if you bought and sent, bought five items and sent them all back, you had a negative margin life to date because you had a negative cost of goods. I mean, you had a, a net nothing in sales and you had a, and you had a double uh, customer service charge. Something to keep in mind. Customer-centric is tricky. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.